pinch punch first of the month, I guess, is the first thing I would like to say. Is that something that you do in the States? No. Maybe right. rabbit rabbit? Is that like a... Shut No. Like a... <laughs> <laughs> pinch punch first of the month. So when it's the first of the month, as it is now, uh, yes. what you are fully entitled to do, as long as it's before midday, is to run up on anyone unsuspecting, uh, pinch them on the arm, punch them on the arm, and greet them with the legend, pinch punch first of the month, for tis the first of the month. And you get to do that to everyone. Pinch punch first of the month. And if you don't want them to get them back, you can end it with pinch punch first of the month, no returns. That means you are then exempt from being pinch ed and punch ed yourself. Every month? Yeah. That's too much. No, That's not at all. Not at all it's not like, at all. you know, you get... Like St. Patrick's Day, you get like a pinch if you're not wearing green or whatever, and there's like a way out. You can't just be pinching and punching people willy-nilly just because it's the first day of the month. Oh, you very much can. 12 With no times, recourse. You get to do it 12 times a year. Um, it's at its best, like first thing in the morning when everyone's a bit groggy and no one knows what's up. <laughs> Even set yourself a little reminder on your on your phone oh maybe. God. Oh, first of the month. So you get to run up on it. Do it to your mum, right? <laughs> Next time, yeah, <laughs> the not. first of December, just <laughs> run up behind your mum and go, pinch, punch, first of month, no returns. However. I have no idea what she'd do back. It's a terrible idea. I don't, I don't know about this tradition, sir. <laughs> well, it's great. And I bestow it Chaos. upon ye. However, so last night was Halloween. You had a pretty good one, I gather, yes? I did. I, did. I had a great Halloween. It was just the kind of thing I was looking for. Um... You know, I love Halloween. It's my favorite thing. I know. And it was a perfect, perfect evening, perfect day. It was beautiful. I went for a nice fall walk. Yeah. Uh, it was, you know, got trick-or-treaters, had friends Good. over. It's great. You didn't get any uh, razor blades in your candy apples, no? No, no. Only the ones I gave out. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> um, talk to me about the decorations on your lawn, Corey. Talk to me about the the... You know, the trimmings that you put up. I saw that you had some uh, fake kind of gravestones, fake zombies coming out your lawn, yes? Yeah, yeah, I had a, I got a set of, of these little, they're like styrofoam gravestones, but, mm. you know, they look good enough. Uh, they stick in the ground and then it's like a zombie guy with like two separate arms and you stick those each in the ground. He looks like he's climbing out of a grave and oh, that is know, wonderful. a little ghosty on my door, a little spider, things like that. Realistic, yeah. realistic kind of decorations. Would you, would you call them kind of, Oh my God. Do, do they actually look like, I mean, I don't, it's Halloween. <laughs> yeah, But mistakes, mistakes happen, Corey. Mistakes okay. happen. Uh, come with me if you would to 2005. Uh, to the town, a uh, small town of uh, Frederica, Delaware. Um, oh, what Delaware? Frederica, like Frederica, F-R-E-D-E-R-I-C-A, Frederica, Delaware. Okay. Yeah? Sure. Because what happened in Halloween in Frederica, Delaware in 2005? Oh, dear. A 42-year-old woman hanged herself. Oh, yep. No. Absolutely. Took her own life. Hanged herself. Uh, she climbed a tree with a length of rope and took her own life uh, on, uh, on, on, on Tuesday of Halloween week. And her body was clearly visible from the road. Her body was clearly visible to passers-by, to passing vehicles for many, oh, many no, but people hours. people didn't think it was real, huh? <laughs> they, everyone thought it was a Halloween decoration. And she was oh stuck up there for several hours 
uh, all the way through the night she hung herself on Tuesday. She was there for the entire night. Nobody called the police uh, before 11 a.m. on the Wednesday morning because everyone thought it was a Halloween decoration. I wonder if she did that on purpose. Who knows? Who knows? You know, Who like, because that's such like, like doing that publicly like that. Mm. You know, normally people would do that in their home. Yep. You know, you well, wouldn't like go out, find a tree and do it. So I wonder if she was like, who knows? This is gonna, it's this uh, is gonna make a splash. Adjacent to our public suicide squad episode right. of many months ago. Yes. Um, Over a year ago, I think. But you've got to wonder if that was a choice she made. Yeah. That's a very mm. Halloween it is. out in public. It is. Um, Seems intentional. Well, okay. I mean, you can't level this accusation at the unfortunate case of a guy by the name of Dale Porch. Uh, Porch? Yeah, Porch. P-O-R-C-H. Uh, unfortunately, the guy uh, had been working a night shift, and on his way home from work, he suffered a heart attack and died. Ironically, on his front porch. <gasps> oh, no. Um, yep, in <laughs> Denver. Uh, and his family afterwards took severe severe umbrage with the local mail department because the postman simply stepped over his corpse <gasps> the next morning while delivering the mail because Stop. the mailman <laughs> thought it was a fucking halloween decoration oh my yep. god the postman failed that... to report anything to the authorities failed to call for help uh, the guy literally just walked like a foot away from poor Dale's prone corpse, posted his mail through his letterbox and walked the fuck off. Uh, I mean, to be fair, the guy was already dead. What was he going to do? He's not oh, going to save his life. He was dead. Yes, he was dead. The US Postal Service stead, uh, said at the time in a statement that the worker felt terrible, but that he thought it was part of a Halloween display. Oh, man. Yep. That is... I've never thought about this as a thing before. How many people... Yep die on Halloween and people think they're decorations. Exactly. Well, now maybe you will. I think I will. This is, I'm going to add this to my, like, things, ways I don't want to die, you know? Like, <laughs> I don't want to die naked. Do I don't not? want to die. I don't want to die naked. I don't, I don't oh, want wow. people to come in there and just find me in all my Whoa. glory all splayed out. No, thank you. Uh, obviously, I don't want to die on the toilet. And now I don't want to die. Yep. Looking like a Halloween decoration. Or maybe I, feel, I do. Yeah, or maybe... Now, yeah, see, this is it. I feel as though we should have had this discussion already. In fact, I think this might have occurred to me before as as potential Joag fodder, you know? What's mm. your ideal death? What's your perfect dream death? What's your, you know, fuck, I do not want to die that way death? Um, mm. I mean, look, tragedies do happen on Halloween, right? That's how they become... You know, that's how urban legends start... That's Definitely. how, you know, Chinese whispers, that's how moral panics begin. Uh, and I guess, you know... The... What is a Chinese whisper? Oh, come on. I feel, You've said this phrase a few times, and I feel like I, like, nod along with it, and I have no idea what that means. So you've never played or heard of or taken part in the game Chinese whispers? No. Okay. I'm going to have to explain it. Here we go. It's a big digression. Yeah, I'm so sorry to interrupt your, your what you were about to tell. No, not at all, not at all. This is, this is organic. This is a piece of organic <laughs> hashtag cultural exchange. Um, <laughs> uh, so imagine, if you will, you're uh, at a kid's party or, you know, maybe you're in some kind of theatre class or whatever and you will play Chinese Whispers. It's a game based on communication and the 
the the the unreliability then of the spoken word right so you have a long line of people it's generally kids and uh at the far one side one of the kids will turn around to the kid next to them and whisper a phrase telephone well no a phrase a longer what yeah the game of telephone (laughs) right chinese 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 whispers corrigan I feel like yours is somehow racist. <laughs> what the fuck? No, it isn't. What I makes don't... them Chinese? Why is I don't Chinese know. whisper? I've never thought of that. Because I... <laughs> what I'm getting here is like the point of the game, if it's like telephone, right, is that the phrase will become garbled by the end of it. Yeah, exactly, totally exactly, exactly. Thing, and by right? the time you get to the other end, the phrase bears zero resemblance to how it started. Mark, why would you think maybe... That would be called Chinese. I don't whispers. know why it's called Chinese whispers. You don't kind of you don't do it like a you don't put an accent on or. or... I, but it becomes unintelligible by the end of the <laughs> the line. Oh no! <laughs> like, buddy, I think maybe you should just call it telephone. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I'm sorry. To- ruin that for you but why don't we why don't i just go with whispers whispers yeah we'll call sure. it whispers. all right i'm not even gonna uh, finish that story now no, now you no, t- tell the story i want to hear the story all right well look uh, sometimes yeah i mean there have been cases where uh halloween has led to absolute fucking murders have you you you've you've never heard of the story of the uh the trick-or-treat murderer no no. Well, do please. I mean, this is quite a big one. I mean, uh, back in 1974, okay, a guy by the name of Ronald uh, Clark 70s. O'Brien. Everything was fucking wild in the 70s. Um, and we are talking before uh, DNA profiling. We're talking before surveillance. We're talking before the internet. And our boy Ronald Clark O'Brien. Um, Ronald Clark O'Brien was a gambler, okay? Okay. Ronald Clark O'Brien was in... Hawk. He was in a lot of debt. He was, you know, he was in he was in trouble from gambling debts, and uh, he took his kid and some other neighborhood children out trick or treating. And Ronald disappears off to a house on his own, strangely, and comes back with a handful of pixie sticks. Okay. And please, for the Brits among us, do please explain what the fuck pixie sticks are. Pixie sticks are basically sort of sour sugar. Sherbet. In... <laughs> sherbet. Yeah, no, that's not. That reminds me. I took a picture of, of sherbet on a menu here uh, <laughs> at an ice cream place to show you. But okay. anyway, um, it's, yeah, it's sugar, like flavored sugar in a little paper yep. tube. Yep, yep, yep. It's, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, for us in the UK, there would be sherbet tubes which you bite the end off or rip the end off, pour the sherbet into your mouth, delicious. So um, Ronald hands the pixie sticks out to his kids and allows, when he gets home, uh, he allows his son Timothy, Timothy O'Brien, to have one treat from his hall, from his pail, from his bucket, and allows him to have a pixie sticks before he goes to sleep. Uh, The sherbet tasted bitter, his son complained. So um, Ronald allowed him to wash it down with a drink, and less than an hour later, Timothy was dead wait did we talk about this on our 
Candy Panic one? Mm, possibly. Did we? Was this the guy who, like, tried to kill his own kid and, like, killed a couple extra just, you know, he to only... make sure it would throw him off the scent? Yeah, he did. He tried to poison a bunch of kids, but actually murdered his okay. own eight-year-old son. Uh, and very, very recently before this, he'd taken out lots of life insurance mm-hmm. uh, on on his son. Um, £10,000 for each... Sorry, $10,000 for each of his kids in January that year. A further twenty grand the month before Halloween. Uh, and the morning after... His son's death at 9 a.m. The fucking morning after his son's death, he rang his insurance company to ask when oh he could expect god. fucking payment. It, oh god, this oh. <laughs> I can't. You know what I mean? Like it's already so obvious when you get insurance on someone, yeah, and then they die, yeah. like especially untimely yeah. deaths. Like that's every episode of Dateline. To like not even be able to be like, dude, just like chill. You for really a little bit. Like, give it a week. Do the give funeral, it a week. do all that kind of stuff. But I mean, you know, more like... and more fucking ridiculously blatant evidence stacks up against this guy. He was a student of a local community college, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and his professor testified that during class, this guy would be asking him questions like, uh, which is the most lethal poison? Is it cyanide or, or is it something else? Mm, you know what? Thank God most murderers are fucking idiots. Well, yeah, this guy clearly, clearly seems to be. A guy matching his description uh, was described by a witness in a recent uh, chemical dealer's buying five pounds of cyanide. You know what I mean? He did it in his work uniform. Oh, you know my what I mean? God. The guy works in an optician's and he did it in his it. fucking work uniform, buying a massive yeah. package of cyanide. Uh, but, you know, um, he did go to... he did He did get executed for it, so... Wow. When? Mm. Oh, this was the 70s, right? Uh, he d- he was um, put to death by lethal injection in 1984. <sighs> yeah, that's insane. It's Well, it's horrific. So I thought, you know, what, what, what better way to kick off our mm. day after Halloween episode of award-winning horror culture podcast, Jack of All Graves, with some real-life Halloween tragedies. Yeah, coming through with that Halloween horror. You got it. Let me quote directly from my notes, if I may. Yes, please do. Fucking look at these nerds. Oh, mise-en-scene. I don't think anyone has ever said mise-en-scene in such a horny way before. The way I whispered the word sex cannibal recently. Worst comes to worst, Mark. I'm willing to guillotine you for science. Thank you. That's really, really sweet. It's you cold know. outside, but my pancreas is talking to me. <laughs> I'm fucking, I'm gonna leg it. You know how I feel about that, Mark. I think you feel great about it. Um, I still maintain I could get away with it, you know. Do and I do, you? I do, I do, and I'll, I'll talk to you a little bit more about that in a uh, when we talk about our watches for the week. Um, okay. I, 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 I swallowed the amount of grief that I took for my method of perfect murder. I swallowed it down, right? But it, mm. it, it caused me no uncertain amount of irritation. I was really fucking irritated by the amount of people who were like, ah. <laughs> You couldn't get away with it. <laughs> um, I think I, I, I've gone back to it and I've I've kind of walked it through end to end, and I, I still maintain that I could do it without any changes to that plan. You think that would still work? Yeah, if if just make the choice of victim arbitrary enough, run up on a stranger, 
get them in the van, spend ages methodically grinding them to fucking powder and chunks and distribute said powder and chunks across a wide enough area. Nah, nah, no motive, no body, no crime. <laughs> oh, this is, okay. We're not going through this again. <laughs> <laughs> Jack of all graves. Welcome, it's the first of November. That's Halloween out of the way. Um, it is. It's now and all about that nice kind of rolling to yeah. autumn and bonfire night and Christmas. All of the good stuff is yet to come this year, and I love it so. What's which is is bonfire night like the the Guy Fox thing? Yes, yes, indeed, okay. it is. <laughs> no, do you I'm like? Uh, yeah, of course that. What do you do on the 5th of November then? Do you have an equivalent? Nothing. You don't no. do you don't do anything on the no, 5th of November. No, that's not a holiday. Okay. That was I was wondering because uh your brother said something on Twitter about like oh let's get the next like stupid holiday out of the way or whatever. Yeah. And I was like what holiday? There's nothing happening now until for us the end of November for Thanksgiving. Yes, we have bonfire night to get through. Um we don't do Thanksgiving of course, but right. yeah, we'll get Get bonfire out of the way, and then it's just, you know, Muppet Christmas Carol and Die Hard and Gremlins uh, yeah. and all of that good stuff. I started today, you know, there's always those movies that are like a little in between holidays for me. Indeed. Uh, and so, like, some of those, like, Adam's Family Values mm. is like a weird one because it takes place in the summer, but it's got a Thanksgiving yeah. play in it, yeah. but also yeah. it's the Adam's Family, so it's Halloween. So I tend to watch that kind of around Thanksgiving and in yeah. the summer. Stuff like that. Nightmare but Before Christmas, of course. Nightmare Before Christmas was my choice today as mm. my welcome into the next season. Wonderful. And I'll watch it again when it gets closer to to Christmas. Yeah. But as I move from my beloved Halloween season into the next one, that's my sort of transitional Wonderful. movie. So I, yeah, this yeah, morning, yeah. made sure to, you know, lie on the couch beautiful. in a daze. Absolutely And beautiful. watch that. Now, Mark, mm. I do have a bit of a mea culpa about last week's episode that I have to I have to bring up here. Yeah, please do. Uh, yes. I don't remember what episode that was. Was that the one where Owen was on? It was the one Owen was on. Cool. You've had quite a week. So, it's, you know, it's there's a lot happening for you. It's been intense, yeah. <laughs> um, and to that end, uh, congratulations, Alan, hey, on your, your yes. wedding, by the Congrats, way. Bro. Uh, but yes, um, I had started with the Bella in the Witch Elm story. Mm. Uh, and my dumbass just didn't read to the end of my notes about it and just left it hanging where it was, um, with the story of the, perhaps it being this Nazi spy. And while there being a Nazi spy still hasn't been ruled out, there is one blog on the internet that is dedicated for whatever reason, reason to Joseph Jacobs, that guy who was the last one yeah, executed yeah, yeah. Sure, sure, sure. in the Tower of London, um, who was in a relationship with Clara Bowerly. And that person spent like a year trying to find a death record for oh. her and apparently managed to find one. So keep in mind, she disappears from everything in 1941, uh -huh. right? Supposedly, she found a death record for her from 1942 in a hospital from some kind of poisoning. I can't remember exactly what it's called. Yeah. Um, and that is allegedly how she died. Now, of course, other people have brought up, like, you know, maybe that's a false record or things like that. 
But the other damning thing about it is that apparently Clara Bowerly was also very tall. Um, she was like allegedly six feet tall or something like that. And oh, the wow. woman in the witch elm was supposed to be five feet tall. So this is likely negates the idea that it was this woman, despite all the other stuff uh-huh. that uh, would have said that it would have been her. There are still people who think that the Nazi spy thing and everything is true. And whoever that woman was is related to that. But then it's probably not that specific woman. The more detail that I discover about this case, the more it it lends itself almost to a kind of a dark Tim Burton-esque Edward Gorey kind of, you know, this six foot tall, like a kind of a big fish, almost like an anthology series. Yeah, yeah, totally. Wonderful, wonderful tale. And thank you very much. Yeah, I love everything about it. Like for me, whether or not it's true. And I said that last time, too. I was like, you know. It doesn't really matter if it's true or not. The story itself yes. is so interesting that even yeah. if it had nothing to do with the woman in the witch elm at the end of it, yeah. holy cow, what an incredible, you know, string of things. But I did want to make sure that I clarified that, that it is likely not Clara Bowerly specifically in that witch elm and the mystery still remains. Your journalistic integrity remains unbesmirched. <laughs> Aside from me literally just not going all the way through my notes, but it's fine. You know, restored. I couldn't Fully let restored. that hang. Couldn't let that hang in the air mm. for people. I don't want to lead anyone astray Good. on that. Uh, that's what people say about Jack of All Graves. They always come back and tie mm. up the loose ends. That's what people say about us. I also wanted to point out, I put up a poll about the book club uh-huh. um, and it leaned one way on date. Uh, and then has since sort of changed, but I can't make it this last minute. So it was going to be November 13th, um, and then it sort of swayed with people changing their minds later on to the first week of November, but that Mm. would be this coming Saturday, and that's just too soon to expect people to read this book and change things. So I will figure out a different date. I'll run a different poll. I mean, it's not the worst thing in the world if we, you know, are... It's over a month between book clubs and stuff like that. It's a totally. busy time of year. It really is. Um, and similarly with Watch Along, we still haven't... You know, On that note, yeah, holy fuck. Yeah. When was, was Blood Vessel the last Watch Along? I think Blood Vessel was the last Watch Along. This cannot we need to get be on allowed top of that. to stand. Yeah, we do. And yeah, we yeah, need to. I absolutely need to get all over that. We'll, well, look, hey, Pinch Punch, it's the 1st of November. We will have a Watch Along. Uh, why don't I call it now? Weekend of the 20th of November? Saturday the 20th of November. We could, or we could do the 13th, now it's open. Is that too soon? It's two weeks. Okay. I am hungry for a watch-along, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I feel like we should say the 13th. Okay. Saturday, the 13th of November, is the next Jack of All Graves watch-along. I feel really, really good saying that out loud, actually. I feel lovely to have made that snap decision. That feels great. Wonderful. Yeah. Uh, so, Mark, you'll get a poll up and all that stuff. Do we have a Do we have a theme uh, up our sleeves? My heart wants to say Stephen King deep cuts. Mm. I think that's brilliant. Mm. Yeah, I'm very on board for that. We'll, so we'll this is a... this is not where you will find your its or your pet cemeteries. This is not no. where you will find any of those you know any of those big names, your Carries or your Christines. This is where you will find your uh, maximum overdrives. Your Tommy knockers, um, but that's the that's the kind of the the zone yeah. that we're in Tommy here. Tommy knockers, oh man. Yeah, I know, right? Um, <laughs> yes, I love this. 
this is a really good choice. It's it's fertile ground for discussion as well because there's, you know, there's there's a, a a patch of Stephen King adaptations where you're not quite in the deep cuts watchable place. There's a lot that are just shit as fuck. Yes. Um, for example, Cell comes to mind. You ever seen Cell with John Cusack? I. I know I did not. I for a second I was confused because I was thinking of the cell, right? And that's the one with Jennifer Lopez. Yes, uh, and that's supposed to actually be good. But cell, no, I never saw that no, one. No cell. <laughs> it's it's from that that kind of Stephen King subgenre. Um, what if X but haunted? Um, <laughs> and this what if what if um what if phones what if phones but haunted? Uh, right. Fucking awful. Just dog shit. The book was rough. Did you read the book? I oh. sure did. Yep. Uh, and it wasn't good either. Stinky, 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 yeah. stinky king. I, I remember starting it and not getting very far in it. So mm. there we go. So we won't put that on the list. No, we won't. On the list. But what I'm saying is there's there's a very rarefied and very specific uh, fringe bit of Stephen King's cinematic oeuvre that I want us to explore during this watch along. And I, does fourteen oh eight count as a deep cut? Uh, yes, I would say it does. I love that movie. Yeah, also, John Cusack, I believe, isn't it? Yeah, it mm. is as well. Mm-hmm. I've got a lot of time for John Cusack. He's great. Yeah, I know. I'm a big fan of him. Yeah. So yeah, we'll we'll get up a Stephen Kung Kung Steve- Stephen Kung. We will. Oh boy, Stephen uh, King deep cut. Poll. I'm wide open to any suggestions that you might want to. Uh, chuck at us on the Twitters, so please do uh, come hither with your thoughts. Absolutely. Um, so we will do that, and I will figure out book club, yep. all that stuff. But I also, I left the book somewhere in England as well, so... Oh, you didn't. <laughs> I did. I Thankfully, the two library books I brought with me managed to come back. That was a book I owned, and I left it somewhere. I have no idea. Uh With your healthcare being like it is, I imagine your library finds are fucking extortionate. <laughs> Actually, my local library, thankfully, got rid of fines uh, two years ago. No. But the one in Anaheim, uh, it was hilarious. I had paid in fines exactly the amount of books I'd taken out. So in the like three, four years I lived there, I had taken out 107 books. Oh my and God. I had paid $107 in fines. <laughs> <laughs> nice, very nice, very nice. I, the, like, I just feel like I'm giving back is the, what's happening here. I get a lot of use out of this library, so a dollar a book isn't that bad. That's fair, yeah. Um, my closest equivalent, there was a video shop in Aberystwyth, right? Peer video. And those who are listening who are from Aberystwyth will know it so well. It obviously doesn't exist anymore. Um, sure. But I rented Mole Rats, right? Yeah. From Peer Video, because I was of a certain age... Mm-hmm. Um, I rented more rats and I, I must have had it for about six weeks. Of course. Uh, and obviously, uh, you know, the, the late fees on a DVD of more rats were fucking extortionate, <laughs> man. Um, to the point where I had to just ghost them and not ever go in yeah. there again. I'm not going to pay like fucking 80 quid for fucking late fees on more rats. So that well, was the that's end. the thing that they so the reason that they got rid of fines here mm. and that's been spreading across the United States at this point a lot of places are getting rid of them mm. is that they realize that's exactly what people do they ghost the library yeah, if they completely. have too many fines yep. so when they instituted this policy 
They said that they got like immediately, like in the first week, 400 books came back and <laughs> yeah. like, and, and they saw like this huge mm. uh, increase in people returning books because it normally it was like people got to a certain point. They were like, well, now I, I'm like buying all these books that I took out. So I'm just never going to return it. I'm never going to go back there. Yeah. And instead, when people have them for a long time, they yeah. return their books. Makes so, perfect sense. Um, yeah. Interesting. So when you remove the charges people are more responsible with how they treat the library yep <laughs> i wonder if there's a kind of a macro version of that which you can apply to other institutions i don't know it's mm, a good question i'd like to think so i'm no economist <laughs> right uh but yeah so um did we have anything else that we needed to uh announce? let's think Oh, peer, you've got me thinking about peer video in Aberystwyth now. God, they were oh. good fucking times. What a, it, it was, because it was a university town, peer video was, it, it was a little bit, it was more arty than your normal kind of video shop. Um, it had a lot of black and white films, a lot of French films, uh, a lot of kind of really obscure horror. It had like, you know, your right. Argentos and your fucking Barbers and whatnot. Uh, yeah, it was it was lovely. And it was it was just like one long, really thin aisle that stretched you know for about 40 50 feet wonderful <laughs> that's interesting i came across a blog there's this guy who blogs about sort of like he's i think he's in his like early 50s and he blogs mm. about whales oh in uh like just in the past basically in his lifetime and things like that mm. and so i guess he's from cardiff and he had a like a three-part blog series about video stores in Cardiff. Oh, wonderful. Um, and just describing what each of them were like, what mm. the like stock in each of these were, where they were. He took pictures of the buildings now, like this is where this would have been. Uh -huh. um, and it was really interesting because, I mean, I don't know how big Cardiff is, but it seems like there was a huge video store culture there in the 80s and 90s. Uh, and he's managed to sort of catalog what that was like oh, which i wonderful. found super super interesting I'll, I'll i'll link it in our blog if other people are interested in seeing that um and i will I, send it to you as well i think i think i'm right in saying that the video shop was a absolutely huge cultural moment yes definitely uh, i mean even pre-blockbuster in fact mm -hmm. one of the one of the longest conversations i had at al's wedding last week right was with one of alan and i's mutual friends about local video shops in our town where we grew up um yeah you know one in particular called leisure video which was my first experience of a video shop and i i must have been fucking hell 10 11 and this guy would happily rent me horror movies he just didn't give a <laughs> shit um vividly remember renting return of the living dead from there uh nice. reanimator i think was my first sniff of reanimator came from leisure video <laughs> um yeah, full of character and, you know, hand-nailed shelves of fucking just plywood which you'd balance the videos on. Um, I love that. Wonderful stuff. Yeah, I mean, I've said before on here that, like, working at the video store was, like, the the family tradition, if you will. My brother and my sister both worked at the local video store, Video Droid, mm. and it was, you know, the kind of place that took pride in having your, like, weird indie kind of stuff and, like, yeah. the shelf, getting your shelf... That had your name of Aaron's picks, you know, Devin's oh, picks on wow. there. Awesome. Uh, was like, you know, such a badge of honor. And uh, yeah, you know, you'd get recommendations and some of them would let slide when you've got something <laughs> that was too old for you. And some of them, like my sister remembers going in and she tried to rent kids. And oh, the guy Christ. was like, 
I would. Yeah. I would just sleep better if you didn't. Just <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, okay. Yeah, you know, like my last, my last experience, and this is such a, a strange memory to occur to me. This memory hasn't occurred to me ever since it happened. But my last experience of a video shop was actually in Cape Town. It was in South Africa, right? Really? Yes. Um, the the street between my hotel. Uh, and where I would go to work in South Africa became like Hooker Avenue after dark, right? Just uh-huh. Hooker Street. Um, <laughs> and I, I'd noticed this video shop because for, for a couple of days I was on my own there and, and before everybody else arrived, I didn't know what the fuck to do. So I'd noticed this video shop. I went to the video shop and, you know, I was, I was on my own in a completely fucking alien land. I was fucking terrified half the time in those first couple of days. Mm-hmm. And, and I vividly remember... Um, a hooker saying, asking me if I wanted a good time. <laughs> and oh I responded with, yep, I'm just off to the video shop. <laughs> <laughs> this fucking square. Yeah. <laughs> I am. I'm definitely. Yeah, do you have any a, recommendations? That's exactly what I'm going to do. And I got I got <laughs> chatting to the guy in the video shop and he recommended uh, Fringe. And I rented out a box set of season one of Fringe. And, and on that day, my love affair with Fringe began. That's a beautiful story. Good. I'm glad. It was lovely to recount it. <laughs> Should we go into, since we're already on the track, we're, we're reminiscing on video stores, on mm. films, all that kind of stuff. Should we just talk about what we've watched? Because it was a big watch week. It was. It feels like we've watched a bunch. I know I certainly have. I've been packing them in. Yeah. What about you? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely have as well, for whatever reason. I think I was in kind of a, like... I don't know, weird mode this week, mostly because I had cramps. <laughs> uh-huh. And so I was just kind of like, as soon as I would finish working, all I wanted to do was just sit and, and watch yeah. some movies. And yeah. I even went to the theater. Ooh, so, what'd you see? All right, well, let's start with I that. Saw, what did you see at the cinema? I saw Dune. Dune. Um, which I had attempted several times to watch at home. Mm. And it just was not happening. So I was like, I need to, I need to go to a theater to see this, I think. Um, which was a smart choice. Um, I enjoyed it. I don't think I enjoyed it as much as you did, but I thought it really, uh, seeing it in the theater with the sound rattling the seats and, you know, the bigness of it and everything was, I was like, okay, this is, this is an immense movie. Look, I had a fantastic time ragging on fucking Denis and his (laughs) lack of self-awareness, right? I enjoyed that a great deal. But when push comes to shove, Dune is a piece of fucking work, man. Mm-hmm. It it is, it is a splendid monument to gigantic fucking sci-fi. It is. Right. It is rich. It is lavish. It is. It is just such a fucking meaty, substantial fucking slab of film. <laughs> it cuts no corners. It whacks all the right. fucking dials up to 11. All the sliders are over to the right. It it takes, n- you know, no shortcuts. You're in it for... Either commit to it or don't fucking bother, basically. Don't, exactly. You don't yeah. just... Uh, I'll watch the first 20 minutes of Dune while I'm on Twitter. Nah. <laughs> watch it all or don't no. fucking bother because it, it deserves your attention. Uh, I absolutely loved it from end to end. It was terrific. Yeah. Now, see, for me, I one of the things about it 
that mm. I went back to when initially he had made that statement about, you know, yeah. what did he compare seeing it on like a small screen to? It is like uh, going for a swim in the bathtub or something like that. <laughs> something of that nature. Um, and you had said, you know, okay, well, movies are only in the theater for, what, three weeks at a time, something yeah. like that. So is it then useless to watch this movie except in that three weeks? And part of me kind of thinks yes. Because I don't think in terms of the way the story was told that it's that interesting. I think what really got me was being caught up in the bigness of the spectacle of it. And otherwise, you have a whole bunch of very interchangeable characters with one another, uh, you know, kind of telling a very sparse version of this story um, that doesn't like it didn't do a ton for me. You know, I was like, eh, it's fine. Like, I feel like this is like. Very summed up in, and this is in the trailer, yep. uh, too, but that moment in the beginning of it where Oscar Isaac turns to Josh Brolin and he tells him to smile. Yeah. And Josh Brolin says, I am smiling through yeah. like a glare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but then it pans back to Oscar Isaac and everyone else and he's not smiling. No. And I'm like, this is the kind of thing in this movie where it's like, so that was like a punchline, but it didn't make any sense. You know, like it, in the characters at all. So what? And I just felt like all the characters were very flat. What and did strike me halfway through, right? I I actually took a beat and stepped out of the movie for a second and yeah. realized this film is completely devoid of levity, right? Yeah. There is <laughs> except random Jason Momoa moments. It but... has no sense of humor at all. No. Dune, um, which is a problem with the text. That's not necessarily right. just, you know, Monsieur Villeneuve. The text itself is very light on chuckles. Right. Um, I, I, I don't agree about the, the characters being interchangeable. Everybody feels as though they've got a very specific part to play in this huge, you know, cosmic political landscape mm -hmm. that Dune takes place in. Um... And viewing, you know, coming to it as a piece of massive, massive politics, uh, is is just one angle to approach it from, which I get a lot of mileage out of. I like that these are all pawns. Uh, you know, you've got the fucking the coven, the Bene Gesserit witches who are scheming their own little fucking agendas, playing the houses off against one another. Um, I also love how, despite the fact that it's in the year seventy billion or whatever. There's an there's a very analog feel to the tech, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. dials yeah, and switches and buttons and engines. Everything feels yeah. very tactile. Everything feels very uh, ha there's 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 the mark of the of the hand on there. You know, you can feel that this mm -hmm. is a world that's been built and maintained by people, um, which is something that you just don't get in yeah. something for example like Star Wars or Star Trek. I can't imagine anyone with a fucking screwdriver building an X-Wing or, or, or <laughs> you know what I mean? Whereas sure. there's a grime to the world mm -hmm. of Dune, to Arrakis. There's a there's a definite, like tactile is the best way I can put it. There's something very sensual about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I don't disagree with that at all. Mm. Um, I think everything about what it looked like, all that description is absolutely accurate. I think that's totally true. I just, for me, as far as the, you know, the story, the way it was told, the way it was performed, all of that didn't do much for me. 
that said, I still had a great time when I saw it that way. It's yeah. just for me, I'm like watching it at home. It's like, well, without the bigness of this spectacle, because I don't have a like great setup for that kind of stuff. Mm. Like it just, I felt the very big difference between this story being told without the hugeness of it versus uh, what it felt like just to watch it for. Yeah. I, I that. Ah, man. I mean, I'm I'm prepared to roll back on what I said about Dune those weeks ago. Uh, Which was? I mean, I, I saw it at home, right? But mm-hmm. I think my living room experience is just about sizable enough to, right. to, to, you know, substitute for watching it at the cinema. Right, um, yeah. I think, I think my viewpoint a few weeks back or a few months back was if you have to watch it on a fucking screen the size of a, of a fucking wall of a supermarket or whatever, then the, the movie has failed. If you can't watch it at home right. on its own merits, then the film itself doesn't stand up. I think that yeah. Dune w- does stand up when you strip away yeah. the spectacle. Mm-hmm. I'll have to try it again, too. Mm. You know, I'm not... Again, like, like I said, I had a pretty good time with it. Like, watching it there, that two and a half hours of it or whatever didn't drag yeah which i think is you know except i mean the last the last half hour of it i definitely zoned out and i didn't know i was like kept being like oh i'm still watching this aren't i (laughs) but Uh, the first two hours of it didn't drag at all the last half hour i was like why am i still here but (laughs) i like in general to get me to sit for two hours through something i know this yeah yeah is you know in itself that's Um, a feat so. There were some nice little surprises in there as well. I certainly wasn't expecting space bagpipes. What the fuck? I didn't see yeah. that coming. Yeah. That was out of nowhere, a little out of left field. <laughs> they have bagpipes in the year 12 million on the planet fucking Arrakis. <laughs> right. Amazing. Who knew? And I uh, also... Oh, go ahead. Go on. No, please. Uh, just an interesting thing I probably wouldn't have thought anything of except for our conversation about the witches last week uh-huh. um, when you had said that like alopecia communities um, were kind of like they don't love the depiction of them yep. in that yep. or of not of them but of women bald women and stuff yep. like that in that and it made me very keenly aware simply because it was it was a day after we'd had that conversation that I went and saw this mm-hmm. of the fact that <laughs> All the bad guys in it, their gro- their grotesqueness is portrayed as either being fat, yep, or completely no eyebrows, completely yes. bald, all yes. that kind of stuff, and that's the way you kind of tell a villain yeah. in this. Short and hands. so I'm yeah, very yeah, yeah. curious, like you know how that people react to that as well. And obviously, again, this is a take it up with the source material issue. Yeah. Um, I haven't read Dune in fucking years, was... but I can't, I can't yeah. specifically remember any descriptions of, of the Sadakar or, or anybody as being bald. I know Baron Harkonnen is supposed yeah. to be a fucking huge, massive guy. Right. It's like, at least we know that part. Like yeah. <laughs> that, you know, I've seen the, the OG Dune, you know, so I know yeah, that's what yeah, he yeah, looks yeah, yeah. like. Um, but yeah, I, I found that kind of interesting just having just talked about that to be like, Oh yeah, that's a weird shortcut to yes, indeed grotesqueness mm-hmm. to take away all their hair. Yeah, um, and that's you know as compared to everyone who's who are the good guys are like super good looking. You know, they're mm. all like, oh, they've got Oscar Isaac's lush beard and hair and all that kind of stuff, and then you've got these hideous people with no hair. <laughs> it's like, ooh, very interesting, isn't interesting. it? Interesting. So yeah, yeah, it was just like yeah. a you know 
a thing that I probably would have thought nothing of except that you had just mm-hmm. brought it up about the witches yeah the um, week before shorthand it's 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 casting people in that light of being oh it's unfamiliar isn't it ooh, right that's weird yeah yeah I, I I'm very keenly aware of that these mm. days too very interesting mm. what else you watch so uh a very fun little Polish number uh, <laughs> which I saw on Netflix called nobody sleeps in the woods tonight right okay ring a bell I've seen like it comes up on my recommendations, but yep. obviously I do the thing where I look at the names on it. I'm like, this isn't in English, is it? It was not in English. It was in yes. Polish. That title, "Nobody Sleeps in the Woods Tonight," sounds as though it's been translated into Polish and back again. Yeah, it does. It's um, a very Google Translate title. But look, it's it's not it's not it's not a fucking great movie. It's quite stock uh, slash mm. affair. Um, little bit of Hills Have Eyes. Little bit of Friday the Thirteenth. Meh, 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 meh. It actually wholesale rips off kills from other films. It does. <laughs> it flat out nicks that Friday the Thirteenth kill with somebody in a sleeping bag smashed against a tree. You, How do you nick that? Come on, literally. the most like iconic kill yes. from the entire franchise. And they just flat out lifted it. But wow. But but nobody sleeps in the woods tonight is noteworthy. Uh, I'll just set the scene for you, right? The premise is that it's set in a a retreat, right? A camp. For children, uh, teens, young adults, who are suffering from uh, technology addiction issues, right? Okay. So within the first 10 minutes of the film, everybody involved, every protagonist, (laughs) has to switch off their mobile phone and hand it over and put it in a box. Perfect. Beautiful. Beautiful. Very good. Very deft. So, you know, no mention of... eh, there's no signal here. They just yeah. they just literally put all their fucking phones in a box at the beginning. That's that safely squared away. Way. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's. I noticed also uh, I was rewatching the 2018 Halloween. And oh, great. of course yeah. now because of you, I'm like very aware of yeah. the, that trope and everything. And they get rid of um, uh, Lori's granddaughter's phone when her boyfriend throws it in a punch bowl. Ah, very uh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, oh, okay. There it goes. Nice. That doesn't solve the problem in the beginning of Halloween Kills of him nope. just not using his phone. Uh, but I really enjoy that I've made you hyper aware of that. Yeah, it's one of your many gifts, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm very aware of that when people say the title of things. Bold uh, and I only in hear films. Morgan yeah. Freeman in your voice now instead of his. Oh, by the way. Oh, you see he's coming in. Hello, Morgan. How are you doing, buddy? C- oh, come on back. in. Welcome back to the pod. <laughs> Do take a seat here and share some wisdom with us, Morgan. Okay. <clears throat> Funny thing about getting older. Your eyesight starts getting weaker, but your ability to see through people's bullshit gets much better. So wise, Morgan. Thank you. Thank you very much, Morgan Freeman. If indeed you did say that, I don't know. <laughs> I love that. I can't remember who it was who, because someone posted it in our Facebook group and someone had also sent it to us as a message on Instagram. Two different people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Tara posted and, it or not, Facey. Yeah. And I think it might have been Heidi who sent mm. it on Instagram, but the best part is that on Instagram it had come from Britney Spears, <laughs> which just adds this wonderful layer to it. Yeah. Britney Spears posting a probably not Morgan Freeman quote. 
Oh, just gorgeous. Gorgeous really nice. work right there. Layers upon layers. <laughs> um, on that note of sort of like the, you know, kind of a standard fare, not, not great, not terrible kind of film. I watched They from 2002. Have you seen that? They, they, they. So, and the title of it, if you were to look at the DVD, is Wes Craven's They. Um, but Wes Craven has nothing to do with this movie. He didn't write it, direct it. He just, like, executive produced it or Surely something. Surely he was basically. dead by then. No. No, no, no. It was no. 2002. He only died, what, like, six or seven years ago? Oh, okay. No, I haven't seen it. I haven't <laughs> seen it. I'm just looking it up as we speak. Nope, not seen it. Yeah, so it's a movie about um, this group of people who all had terrible night terrors growing up. Hmm. And uh, then something is happening where each of them, like, they sort of manifest these weird, like, scar things and stuff like that, and then are tormented by this dark being that is killing them off. Wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like, wait, hold on. I know what that sounds like. (laughs) Um, But it's, you know... it. It's very 2002. I think it actually kind of fits nicely into that MTV horror mm. uh, genre that Dan gifted us with. Yes. Um, is like the music in it. Oh my God, it is a time capsule. And there's like posters all over the walls for like just every possible sort of new metal band. Oh, cool. And like, oh God, it's Eminem posters, all this oh, stuff. Oh my the God. Music, there's... A scene that Thursday is in the background of, so you got that like emo stuff going on there. Yeah. It's incredible, and and the music does not fit at all. Every time they put something like that in it, you're very like, why are mm. they playing this? Yeah, this is incredibly uh, intrusive to this story, but it's like an interesting enough movie. It has my boy Ethan Embry, which was like kind of why I watched it in the first place. I was flipping through channels, and I was like, what's they? And then I saw the cast. I was like, Ethan Embry, sure, I'll watch it. Um, and, you know, it's, it's got a good kind of aesthetic to it. It's kind of dark, that very, it's very early 2000s looking. Um, the characters, I feel like, so they're in grad school in this, so they're like adults, you know, and it's not an interesting group of people. Oh, I see. Okay. (laughs) And that's like really where this film suffers, because it's got good creepy imagery. I think the sort of baddie, even though it's got that 2000 CGI to him and everything, is some good creepiness and everything but you just like are not interested in the people in this movie at all um but that said i still think it's kind of a fun watch that you could totally put on and like you can tweet while you watch it yeah yeah and there's there's a place for that there's a place for that kind of film yeah yeah exactly not everything everything has to be be, yeah not everything has to be dude not everything has to be huge you know uh i mean sometimes you do say like something that doesn't make an impression is sometimes worse than something being bad. Mm. But at the same time, there are some movies that I think their function is kind of as background and they seems like a good background movie to me, especially mm. if you feel like you just want to be transported to, you know, wherever you were in 2002, boy, this gives you exactly the feeling of being in 2002. Uh, sometimes I, I, I very much want that. Um, yeah. Lamb. Oh boy. I watched that one too. You did. Oh, tell me you liked it. I would have liked it if it were 20 minutes. Uh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, but tell me about your, why you liked it. Because you really, you really got into this. I did. I enjoyed Lamb a great deal. Um, without, without wishing to sound like a hack, right? 
It's as though somebody read Babe and decided to tell it like hereditary. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's not, yeah, that's, you're not wrong. This, this is a fucking fairy tale or a kid's story or a folk tale, but told with all of the dread and the portentousness and the straight-faced uh, you know, kind of approach of, of an A24 fucking horror, which it is, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like Ari Aster reading The Fucking Three Little Pigs. It's, <laughs> it's it, you know, it could be such a lovely little R and the couple and they have a little baby and it's a lamb. Yeah. But, but yeah, but th- some, some, somebody decided that it was a horror film because I don't, I don't see this story as a horror movie. It's a lovely little folktale. Well, and that's an interesting point you have here because this is part of why it didn't work for me at all. Right. And my friend Seth, when he was talking about it on a Letterboxd, he put it really well to me. He said, mm. uh, this isn't a horror movie. If the protagonists are unconcerned with what's going around, going on around them for the entire film, it's yeah. not horror. No, certainly not. And they're not. They don't care what's happening. And thus you have like characters who are just kind of living their life. Yeah. And then... You have a character who kind of ostensibly comes in in a way that, like, is supposed to be like, hey, this is weird, but then has a storyline that has nothing to do with anything and doesn't make any sense. And so I didn't get any dread from this movie at all. I was just like, why am I watching this couple who, like, there's... The story is they have a happy marriage. But and we, they have, like, a, we are you know, told, lamb baby. We are told by everything going on around them that it's wrong, that it's unnatural. It's only natural right. to them. But the fact yeah. that, you know, the the Lamykin's actual mother is, is fucking waiting outside the window, bleating for right. their actual child. You know, our, our human mother, Numi Rapace, by the way, lovely to see her. Um, Indeed, yeah. You know, I physically... Mean, no complaints about her. Physically kills yeah. Ada's actual mother yeah, this is maybe like spoilery yeah it is totally totally <laughs> spoiler territory but <laughs> you know everything in their environment everything in the natural world is telling us that this is wrong and it shouldn't be right. happening but because this couple you know they, they, it's hinted that they've they, there's been a tragedy that they're childless yeah they have uh, you a... know through through some some sort of horrific event has happened to them so you know obviously their damage their own grief their yeah. own trauma is shutting out what we are being told is 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 wrong. They're blocking all that out willfully to try and pretend that there's some sort of happy ending for them, but we know there's not. Right. There's yeah. the horror. Yeah, I guess it just didn't read that way to me. I just kind of didn't care. <laughs> was the issue. And I think it was just, it dragged too long was the problem for me. Yeah. And bringing in that brother character yeah. then also took, because I'm like, okay, so now there's like a weird like affair or like not an affair because it's not or like so now you just have this weird thing happening here that i do not care about at all on a pair of people who i'm like it's fine let them raise their land baby who gives a shit like Mm. people eat sheep who cares if she just killed a sheep (laughs) like like it's not who cares it doesn't matter at all Uh. and then of course you get like one horror moment like at the end of it but oh and the end was a a total curveball at the end i loved i loved it i really enjoyed that that was cool if that had been a 20 minute film Mm. of just these two going about their life ignoring the fact that they should not have a lamb baby and things like that like that I could sustain. Did you not enjoy minutes. how the, the lamb baby had like one hoof and one 
human oh, yeah, hand. Yeah, I love that. That was wicked. I love the lamb baby. Yeah, I, she was great. Oh my god, every time she appeared on screen, I was happy. Yeah, I was yeah, yeah. Genuinely yeah. Oh, giddy. Oh, oh, yeah. I, like I could, in like a, you said, it was like a fairy sweater. tale, you know? Yeah. Her sweater, she's so cute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I just, oh my gosh, it made me so happy. Yeah. And I do think it could be like a very good story. Mm -hmm. It's just there's so much for something where nothing really happens and there's not a lot of dialogue and stuff like that. There's somehow too much story. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, ah, I think you could accomplish all of this in a shorter period of time. And, I, and it would sustain the dread for me as opposed to, why am I just watching these people? I think I, I, I knew nothing <laughs> of it. I knew nothing about it going in at all. I had no idea what to expect. And eh, I'm, I'm given to being charitable towards it, but I guess mm -hmm. the, the, the running time, it's, it's, it's trying to give us a feeling of what it's like to be a fucking Icelandic sheep farmer. There's nothing right. going on. You know what I mean? No, there's nothing going and on. And they're alone on that fucking mountain with their grief and their sheep. Yeah. <laughs> That should be the tagline. On, that should be on the... With our grief and our sheep. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's like, I, I think you, you phrased it, you were like, it's so A24, it's like A25. Yes, uh, yes, yeah, that's, yes, yes. That's true. I mean, and it's the same, like, I think that I have... Did I say that? Patience. That's good. You did say that. It was very good. <laughs> uh, I have a little less patience. Like, I like... There are A24 movies I really like, and there are mm. ones that I do not have time for. Yeah. And this felt like it suffered a lot from it having the distinct feel of this is from this company. <laughs> Much like, yeah. um, what's the, the text message one, Zola, that I was so excited about, where okay. I was like, they are so concerned with making an A24 movie, they haven't actually made a movie here. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and so that's, you know, but like, I think it, with Lamb, it seems like it's kind of got that like that's it is what it is and it knows what it is and yeah. that that's going to be a divisive thing that some people are going to be like yes i am here for this tone mm -hmm. and other people are going to be like nope absolutely not yeah. so, <laughs> your mileage may vary on this you know it's one of those ones that i don't it's not one i say don't watch yeah it same. Oh, it's it's it you, you you have to watch the one about the fucking sheep baby come on yeah and it's so cute. The sheep yeah, babies, you're just going to... That first shot nothing where, else, you are just going to love seeing that sheep baby. It, it it gave me like an involuntary kind of intake of breath, that first shot. Because it doesn't prepare you for the fact that we are about to reveal the sheep baby. Right. She just walked in. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Really good. Yeah. That, that's a... Uh, I think, like, I obviously could tell from the trailer... That I'm like, okay, this is gonna, they're clearly raising some kind of sheep child. Yep. Like, you know, I was like, that's otherwise what would be interesting about this. Like, they just take a lamb in as a child. That's not gonna be that interesting. So clearly it's gonna be part sheep, part human. For, <laughs> for some reason, I imagined it was gonna be in reverse. So it would have like a baby head and a <laughs> sheep body. <laughs> and it is so much better this way. <laughs> it is. <laughs> that boxy little body, uh, little sheep head. It's reminded me. Of a quite obscure British horror movie from the 90s called Revenge of Billy the Kid, right? Okay. I've seen this film once and I just literally had to Google to make sure that I hadn't made it up. Uh, and it, it does in fact exist. Um, Revenge of Billy the Kid, from what I remember, I think is a, would be a nice little companion piece uh, to Lamb. Uh, okay. 
and I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna post the trailer to this on our Twitter. I believe Revenge oh, of Billy the Kid tells the story of a British farmer uh, who uh, has intercourse with a sheep, and <laughs> the result is a uh, a man sheep hybrid which goes on a killing spree and which is murderous. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of like an analog to lamb <laughs> and far less uh, pleasant. Yeah, sounds like it. Yeah. There's a that's a little more disturbing of a story, I think. Yeah. But it's kind of a trauma esque kind of um, mm. uh, C movie, you know. Yep, totally. That's what it sounds like. Yes. <laughs> did you watch anything else? Yeah, I did. Uh, um, I watched Violation. Violation. Mm. That's oh wait, is that is that on Shudder? It is on Shudder. Yeah, I read the the thing for that and noped out. Uh, nope. Um. <laughs> again, I I I have to recommend it. Mm. Because, just like I say about, you know, about stuff stuff like Serbian film and stuff like Human Centipede, someone has to go that far. Mm-hmm. Right, and I will always, always, always go to bat for those who are willing to go there, because sure. violation certainly goes there. It's a revenge thriller, uh, you know, which I, I which I, I guess is a, a genre of its own, isn't it? The the rape yeah. revenge thriller, um, but one that really I don't know, man. The relationships are really beautifully drawn. There are some. Mm-hmm. Layered, complicated relationships here between a lady and her sister, uh, her her husband, her brother and sister-in-law. Nobody is particularly likable in this film. It mm-hmm. it reminds me a little bit of Fleabag in that sense, in that even <laughs> your antagonists, even your antagonist, even your you know the character who you're supposed to relate to, the one who's front you mean and center. The protagonist. Sorry, protagonist is exactly what I mean. Is is still not massively likable as a character. Mm-hmm. Um. Lots of shades of grey and lots of very prolonged, graphic, unflinching murder and dismemberment and gore. Um, yeah. It it the 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 violence is is wild. <laughs> yeah, that um, is. I have heard that about yeah. that movie. So, um, you know, for Gorehounds, it's worth a watch mm-hmm. simply to, you know, the violation is out there. You know what I mean? In 2021, serving up that fucking snuff-esque, right. um, you know, dismemberment and murder and, and, and whatnot. But it's a, it's, it's a, it's a really well written. It's a really well acted. It's a very sensitively directed piece. Veers maybe a little bit towards artsy fucking schmartsiness. Sure. Uh, lots of very tight shots of flora and fauna and insects. It's kind of it, it, von Trier. It calls to mind Lars von Trier. It's Antichrist. Yeah, that seems like. I mean, from the trailer of watching it, that's exactly kind of what I got out of it too. Yeah. Um, first, I was not expecting it from a Shudder film. Shudder right, movies yeah. always they always leave me kind of all right. But where, where's the gore, mate? Where's where's the mm-hmm. beef? You know. But you don't yeah. you don't need to ask that with Violator. It's fucking intense. Yeah. 
there you go. I'm not going to watch it, but a recommendation from Mark for those of you. Yeah. I don't do any, if it's a, if I know there's rape in something, I don't watch it outright. I just, that's a no-go for me straight out the gate. Um, and then, you know, like as much as I don't necessarily hate gore, but stuff like that just doesn't necessarily appeal to me or artsiness in things. I'm a oh, simple yeah. girl. It's got all of that. All of that. Um, it, 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 uh, man, I, I'm finding it hard to kind of verbalize the effect that Gore had on me. I realized, right, midway through one of the most kind of graphic scenes uh, that I was kind of doing this face. <laughs> Which is, uh, again, not a visual medium podcast. No, but <laughs> I, I dare say it'll find its way <laughs> on, it's you know, really on, on, on YouTube or Twitter at some point. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite something. Hmm. So if that's what you're looking for, mm. Violation on Shutter is the movie for you. But that was it for me. I also squeezed in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 74 because it's something of a Halloween tradition. Sure, um, of course. This is a this is this is this might seem like a bold claim, right? This might you might initially yeah. want to go, Mark, don't be so fucking stupid. But after <laughs> watching Texas again last night, right? Ooh. Uh I am now confident in declaring that Texas Chainsaw Massacre 1974 is uh, completely immune to all criticism. There is Mm. nothing about that film which you can take any sort of issue with. It is simply perfect from end to end. It is. I feel like this is an overcorrection from someone criticizing this in the Dead and Lovely group. (laughs) <laughs> no, not at all, not at all, not at all. Uh, obviously, hey, your mileage may vary, but this podcaster sees in that film a vision taken right out of someone's head and put on a screen uh, right. with no compromise and with no, you know, with no uh, dilution, with right. no plan B. It is quite simply... Uh, a fucking vision put on screen and it is immune to all criticism it's perfect i guess that's kind of the you know the question of like does it achieve the vision versus does that mean people like it Mm. two different things oh yeah look hey hey (laughs) of course but an opinion is not necessarily a criticism uh, as you don't need me to tell you that of course (laughs) feel free those of you listening to offer criticisms and see if mark will deem them valid no have a go i mean but that's what i mean it 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 isn't down to me to kind of go ah no that's not valid valid." the the film itself is immune to criticism not my opinion of the film the actual work itself it just deflects criticism you can't there's nothing Mm -hmm. about it that you can say that that is anything other than intentional right it's doing everything it set out to do so in that in that case, yeah, it's always going to be a success at achieving the vision that it aimed for. Yep. I get you. I know you do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, also, you know, on the traditions, I watched, I rewatched the original Halloween and uh, Ernest Scared Stupid. You know, things you just kind of got to do. Which I've still yet to see, you know. Then. I keep, you know, oh, it's such this is the second year of me promising that I would see that based on your... Traditions. I love to be a part yeah, of the traditions. Gotta sit down you know? and yeah, watch yeah, it with yeah, the yeah. kidly winks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we will, we will. Yeah, it's uh, it doesn't have to be a Halloween movie. You can watch it at any time, but okay. uh, it's just a it's just such a wonderful little 
trip down memory lane for me every time I watch it. And it's, I think, you know, if you like Killer Clowns from Outer Space, mm. you will like Ernest Scared Stupid because it's the same movie. <laughs> with I the, my so good. Yeah, the trolls are made by the Kyoto brothers who yeah. made the, you know, the clowns and Killer Clowns from Outer Space. You know, you're looking at a very, very similar kind of thing, but with Ernest P. Worrell, which makes everything better. So, you know. Uh, is he still with us? No. He died, like, 20 years ago. Wow. Somewhere in that vicinity. And so, like, Slinky Dog's been played by a different person since then. Uh, and his character was never molested, you know? Like, he was, he was like a good Like, resurrected guy. by anyone else? Oh, no, you no, mean, no, like... In, yeah, oh, his... In his private character, life, he was a good character. guy. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't think anyone's ever said negative things. But I mean, I think, you know, he was a heavy smoker and I think maybe a drinker or things like that. But I've never heard like, good. oh, and then he like assaulted people. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like what I'm getting that. at. Good, good, good. Yeah, I think he, see, I think he was actually a good guy. Good. It's a plus. Um, yeah, so heavy watch week. But if you're looking for things to watch, maybe there's something on that list that appeals to you. Yes, and... Uh... Quote, air quotes, we will put all of those titles in the blog so that you can. Yes. <laughs> and uh, once again, we will put time codes of everything that we've just mm-hmm. spoken about. It'll be a whole thing. It'll be fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we will do all that. Uh... Now, it is, of course, now November 1st. Mm. Uh, and that makes it the, you know, first or second day of dia de los muertos Mm. um and of course uh this is about you know memorializing the dead making Mm. your ofrendas and you know celebrating people who have died and and remembering them in various ways uh which you know what i should watch coco tonight after i finish this that would be a great thing it's the the very first thing that comes to mind um yes absolutely um but we thought that we would talk a bit about memorializing the dead as um, a result. I don't... I mean, I, I know what it is about Coco which upsets me so, right? Mm, okay. Uh, but more than Up, more than any of the Toy Story movies, more than any any other Pixar work, Coco has a direct line to my heart. It okay. just... it. God, it's like there's a button, a red button in me that... Has the word cry written on it. Yeah. And Coco reaches through my ribcage and just stabs that button with its bony finger and makes me totally. fucking... And not even kind of... <clears throat> holding in a lump in my throat. It, 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 it will make me actually outwardly cry. It is so beautifully uh, realised and written. It's just... Do you do that? Like, oh. if you're sitting there watching that movie with your family, will you just, like, open sob with your family sitting there? Yeah. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I know your kids find you very intense. Uh, (laughs) I just love that. Yeah, Daddy, okay. But Coco leaves me no choice. You know what I mean? It's either that or or leave the room. Yeah. So what is, what's the button? You said you know why this does this to you. What is it about Coco that reaches into your ribcage? It's that aphorism, isn't it? That you die twice. Yeah. once when your life ends and once again when you're forgotten mm-hmm. that that resonates with me deeply uh mm. for well look you know you as much as i hate fucking hate talking about myself on this cast i absolutely hate it 
but one of the one of the reasons why this topic is so dear to me is is you know long time listeners will know that uh, ten years back or just over ten years back uh, my uh, my brother died took his own life and while while reading about the various ways there are of memorializing the dead it occurs to me I mean he didn't die in a pleasant way right he took his own life by hanging and yeah. um my uh my other brother anthony and i we were first on the scene when he was found and we traveled behind the police and the ambulance to go and identify the guy right mm-hmm. and that i don't think it's it's too much of a stretch to say that is that fucked my memories of my brother completely right yeah. uh, and even now when i try and remember him my last my last image of my brother is is in that is in that room in, in the hospital you know his yeah. his 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 body and the state that it was in um that's what i now remember him as and i i in reading about ways of memorializing the dead i wonder if there was there, there could have been some way which would have helped with that you know mm, yeah, which totally. would help the living have a memory of the departed have a memory of the deceased which which recalls them in life, which recalls them in, in the prime of their life at their best rather mm. than uh, at, at what is very much their worst. Yeah, that's a really interesting thought, you mm. know, and I suppose that's always kind of a thing, like to an extent, just any sort of like if, if you go to an open casket funeral or something like that, right? Mm. Like the making them up, putting them in their finery, things like that is like some way to make your last image of someone better than simply. But even that, you know, dead. Yeah, but. yeah. Even that. I mean, I think back to um, my uh, my grandfather on my mother's side, right when he died, and I again, I must have been eleven, perhaps. And it's only now thinking back that I wonder, hang on, was it, was it strange? Because my grandmother kept kept his body at home mm-hmm. for quite some time and with the fucking lid off. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. Uh, How long is quite some time? I, w- I wouldn't. I wouldn't like to say because you, it's, it was a lot of years ago. You're too young to know. Exactly. Yeah. And I don't know, <laughs> I, I, like, like a month, I don't fucking know. It, it wasn't that long. It absolutely wasn't yeah. that long. Um, but I, I certainly remember it. Sometimes, some days of 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 him just being there in, in the bedroom with the fucking, with the fucking lid off. And I didn't think at the time right. it was weird because I was 11. I'd never, you know, this is my first exposure like, to I death. I guess this is what you do. <laughs> yeah. 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 But now thinking back, you know, it seems unusual well i did see you know as i was looking at like various practices that people have there's a wide range of people doing exactly that from Mm. something as simple as like you know the tradition of an irish wake right where you have the person in the home with the lid off and everyone basically just like goes about having their party around this body as if they're kind of present there um and that's like a very normal part of the process i saw also like there's um people in indonesia like this there was focused on one particular family but there um they'd had the grandmother in the house for she's been dead for like nine years 
and they bring her meals all day. Yeah, so they bring her her meals at the side of this uh, casket every single day. They, you know, go and they, they talk to her, things like that. And it was sort of twofold. One, that this is part of, like, feeling like this person is still with them. Yeah. Um, and, you know, getting to sort of just have her nearby and feel like she's still with the family. But mm. also that funerals in this culture are extremely expensive and people go into, like, huge debt for them. So they're okay. literally, they have her in the house because they've been saving up for a decade for her funeral mm. like we just we just haven't saved enough money yet to mm. also have this funeral and so it's like this very you know you go from things like the irish wake of spending a day partying around a dead body to mm. something like that where people in some cultures will keep someone in their home for years or i think there's like a another group of people i've seen come up i think someone posted about it in our group at one point that they take their dead out once a year <laughs> and you know really? they're kind of like yeah, they're like kind of like mummified essentially, and they take them out and they dress them up and you know kind of uh, parade around <laughs> with these bodies. So there's all kinds of different ways that people do that. You, I mean, you put your finger there on why that doesn't sit so comfortably with me. And obviously, culturally, if if that's what you do, that's cool. Right. But I mean, this attempt to feel as though they are still there, you know. Mm-hmm. That, to me, stands at odds with what, quote-unquote, healthy grieving is. It's coming to terms mm-hmm. with the fact that they aren't, as opposed to right. pretending that they are, surely. Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess it could it could go either way, couldn't it? If you, if it doesn't interfere with your life. Yes, right? yeah, if there we go. Yeah, 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 yeah. are grieving... And in and it helps you to for them to be there. And people do that without the body, you know. People always say, "Oh, so and so is looking over me" or things like that. Mm. And it helps you to live your day to day life. Mm. Is that inherently unhealthier than just going, "Eh, they're gone"? You know, I need to get used to it. Well, no, I don't want to go into that. I mean. If you're someone who is given to uh, looking for signs from the spirit realm, mm. uh, you know what I mean. That yeah. that that feels again. If it, if it brings you comfort, then go to it. But yeah, I've I've seen firsthand people who you know will oh look, there's an orb in that photo. They're still with us. They're looking out for us. Mm-hmm. Oh look, there's a fucking feather in my garden. They're still with us. They're looking over us. And Mm -hmm. to people within that kind of that family circle who who always feel as though they're looking for some fucking excuse, some kind of the flimsiest, you know, hook to hang your hat on to just Mm -hmm. allow you to kind of not let go. I don't know that 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 is what healthy grieving for me is for me, of course. And there are those there. There's the big caveat. That's what healthy grieving is for me. It's being able to let go, because there is no other choice. That you know. It's interesting though, because and I don't want to like you know poke at you about about no, no, this no. or anything like that. It's just very interesting to me though to think of it that way. And yet, you know, when you think about your brother, uh-huh. you know, you're sort of admittedly, like, you have a really hard 
time with this and that you still always have that sort of haunting last image. Um, And you obviously as someone with no sort of spiritual belief, um, you know, he's gone. Your issue is not coming to terms with whether or not he's here. Yeah. So there's various other forms of like grief associated with that. Um, that maybe for some people, you know, this kind of thing would help them get past, mm. but it's not useful to you specifically. No, not at all. You're haunted by something else. Yeah. I mean, there. Are, for example, right? I mean, there are lots yeah, of... Let me hear some of these other ways. There are, there are lots of companies who will just, who will chisel a little QR code on a, on a, on a headstone, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, for a, for a, for a fee, you will have a space, web space reserved for life. Which you can link that QR code to, uh, or and, for afterlife. Well, ta-ha. Uh, <laughs> and that will show you. It could be anything, uh, you know. If you if you if if you're lucky enough to have advance warning of your own demise, mm-hmm. holy shit! Record a little fucking piece about yourself yeah. and link it to right. a QR code on your headstone. That to me feels very. I don't know, that feels, that feels, that feels, it feels healthy. That feels a really healthy way of memorializing the dead. Have them, have them use technology to display how they were living, breathing in the full of their life. Mm -hmm. To those who would, who would take the time to visit them, to visit their grave. And that, I love that. I love that idea. I mean, it's obviously it's riddled with logistical issues. Of course. Right. Uh, (laughs) You know, headstones wear out, headstones topple over. Technology um, changes. Technology changes. I mean, there are... <laughs> the, precur- right, interest- the precursor, and this is this is a nerd obsession of mine, right? The precursor to the mobile telephone network here in the UK was a, a service called Rabbit, right? Mm-hmm. A- in a-, a very few locations in London, you could stand in a particular spot with a really expensive, massive headset and make wireless mobile calls to other people <laughs> who are also in a very, very small range, right? Now, right. there are some shops where you can still see the fucking rabbit logo, uh-huh. you know, underneath layers of paint, underneath layers of other wallpaper. Those fucking right. relics of dead technology still live on out there somewhere. And... Mm. Obviously, you know, you don't have to think too far ahead to think that, you know, QR codes will obviously be redundant at some point. Right. How do you, you know, what horse do you back? If you're going to memorialize somebody forever, how how on earth do you make the choice of what technology is most likely to last the distance before? Well, what did people always do? Chisel it in stone. Exactly. Exactly. That's the... And you... I've said before, I love gravestones and that my Mm. thing is I don't really care what you do with my body, but I would like a gravestone Mm. Um, because to me, I think that's such a, there's so much potential for how you memorialize people in something as simple as a gravestone. You know, like I've seen, I was just in a graveyard in Liverpool that like had like so many stories, like a lot of the stuff on those gravestones were like so deeply rich Mm. in what they told you about these people and how they died and how they'd lived and things like that. Although one of my favorites was one that simply said like, like the person's name was born in New Jersey 
and then they died. Like, and it was like there was a whole life in between. It's not like they died young. It was just the only interesting fact about them was apparently they were born in New Jersey. <laughs> like, okay, well, cool. Um, but uh, I think it was, it might have been Richard. Someone posted also in our group a thing of like these very, very elaborate like Russian graves uh-huh. uh, that had like full bodies of people on them. Like, I mean, like these full images of folks or statues and things like that of mm. the actual person who had died. Um on them and i think you know obviously that's one thing that yes some wear off and stuff although a lot of the technology for gravestones has gotten better um and they're not like the ones that you find from like 16 1700s that Mm. there's nothing left written on them anymore but i do like the simplicity of just telling whatever story you need to tell in stone like Mm. that for people to wander through and see later on. Yeah, well, uh, you know, that's another question about about QR codes. Do you make them almost like exhibits in a museum whereby anyone walking past can go, oh, I wonder what this person was like. Tap. Mm. Uh, Hey, guys, how's it going? I'm Mark. Ah." Um, (laughs) uh, There is some memorials, some memorial companies will uh, put the QR code behind a lock, you know, you, you only family members will have access to a locking mechanism on the tombstone or, or on the memorial, whereby you would then have the QR code behind a locked door. So mm. only those with access. But then again, what do you do? Do you pass that key down for fucking generations to come? What I'm right. saying is, at at some point, does that second death become inevitable? How do you preserve what? something like that forever? And should you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good question. Is that second death, you know, as inevitable as the first? Surely it is. And the more you yeah, try think... and and keep your memory alive, the more you risk tipping over into hubris, tipping over into, you know, well, why do, why do you deserve to be fucking remembered forever? Right. What's so fucking special about you? Cosmically, as, as I'm fond of, you know, <laughs> as I'm quite well aware of, we're fucking dust, mate. We're microbes. Fuck makes you so special. Right. And that's, you know, there was a a post that I read um, where a woman was talking about how she, ever since adolescence, has pre-written eulogies for people around her. So if you're close to her in any way, she's like, I've written them for my English teacher, for, you know, my my boyfriends, my, you know, all these different people. You know, she's like, if I hang out with you long enough, I've probably written your eulogy. And she looks at it as, you know, she's like, for one thing, it's a very self-centered act because it's the self-importance of writing a eulogy and being able to be the person who, like, performs a eulogy for someone. And it centers you in their story and things like that. She's like, I recognize this is me taking some sort of control and center stage over people around me and, like, their death and their narrative and things Uh like that. But she also is saying that it provides her this sense of like cataloging what she loves about people and a, of these important moments in their lives that it's we wonderful. tend to only think about, mm. you know, once someone dies. So she's writing these eulogies. It sounds really dark, but she's also keeping sort of a record book of what has been important to her about yeah. the people in her lives as she goes on living it, you yeah. know? Um, And I know that one of the things that appeals to you is, you know, knowing that you're going to die for some reason. Yes. Having some sort of like stage video or something. Having having the ability to 
exert some measure of control choice right. over. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, topics like assisted death in terms of terminal illness, very mm-hmm. dear to my heart. I believe that the ability to decide the terms of your own exit, I think, is. But even beyond that, I'm not even talking about the exit itself. I'm talking about how you've said, like, you would want to leave something of yourself to be able to tell your own story to people, you know? Um, Or at least give a flavor of the fucking guy that I I was in life. I, you know, I I wouldn't presume that anybody would give a fuck to listen to me sit down and go, and then when I was 24, (laughs) who gives a shit? But I'd love to be able to give people... Uh, a hint of, 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 you know, what I was like in life. Yeah. What do you think? What is, you know, have you seen anything in your looking through these mm. different ways that people memorialize or something that comes to you that is how you would like to, or also as maybe as a corrective, like what could have been different about what happened with your brother that would have made a better memorial like what do you want what would have what looking back would have made this better for you things like that okay i mean the most incredible example that i've seen and one that has actually touched me quite deeply and i know i sent you the link there's a guy called uh james vlahos okay mm-hmm. um and uh, it's I mean, I don't even know where to begin with the story because it's phenomenal. Uh, in the, uh, I think it was 2015 or 2016, his father was diagnosed with terminal cancer, which had metastasized throughout his entire body. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what James and his father, John, did was uh, they sat down and over the course of many hours uh, recorded his dad's life story. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, broke it up into things like education, career, family, history. And his dad just spoke uh, through an audio recorder and just laid his entire life story out verbally. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what James then did was transcribed all that painstakingly transcribed it word for word across many, many volumes. Right. Um, and made it searchable digitally. Mm. Right. Yeah. Um, but even after doing that, his ambitions kind of grew and grew and grew. Uh, and it it ended up with him coding a chatbot. Uh-huh. And went through so many stages, uh, you know, employing so many other people, so many uh, other, other colleagues in the tech industry and AI. Um he uh, used a company called Polestring who use uh, AI to make kind of, you know, customer conversations, customer interactions, toys, and mm-hmm. spent years after his father's death painstakingly trying to make what he came to call Dadbot mm-hmm. as close to his father's voice as possible so that he can sit and interact and have conversations with a chatbot. Uh yeah, yeah, which was fully programmed with his dad's entire life story. It tells wow. jokes in his dad's voice. It responds, <laughs> you know, it gives non sequiturs. It gives, it goes down wow. conversational side alleys. Um, his grand, uh, sorry, his, 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 James's son uh, often asks to sit down and talk 
to his wow. granddad via this chatbot, you know? Incredible. Uh, and what, what this guy James has done has gone on to form a company called Hereafter, mm-hmm. which offers this service. It allows wow. you to record the life story of your loved ones and then share that with their family after their death via an app. Mm-hmm. So you can type in search terms and, and listen to your loved one recounting the story of their life uh, through technology, which wow feels pretty fucking cool to me. Yeah, that is, that is really cool. Although, and just to, because you had said one of the things that you think of as healthy grieving mm. is not acting like the person is still here. Yeah. What is different for you between okay. those things uh the way that the way that this service is described on the website right the usp is it's a way of sharing precious I'll, I'll quote directly from the site share precious family history with children grandchildren and beyond discover your loved ones untold stories life-changing moments and wisdom engage listeners of all ages with focused stories available through a phone app you can t- talk to it like in a text message format right that isn't so much that isn't trying to commune with the ghost of that person. It's mm-hmm. staying in touch with the memory of what that person was. Mm-hmm. It's not It's not pretending they're still here. It's being able to communicate directly with who they were. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think there's something hugely, hugely interesting about what that offers. Yeah. Would you do it? Uh, cards on the table. No, not with my brother because I, I don't think his life was all that interesting. Um, <laughs> I meant with yourself, but <laughs> oh yeah, I, uh, there's look, there's hubris involved here. I mean, there's there's sure. you know you have to think that you're of interest, or some or somebody else has to think that you're of interest enough to want to sit down and transcribe your entire life. I mean, James obviously did with his dad. You know, they spent mm-hmm. uh, how long was it? Something like uh, there's a figure that he gives for the amount of time they spent talking. There you go, 91, nearly 92,000 words he transcribed, 203 pages, uh, 12 volumes of, of yeah. this guy's life. Um, I mean, and I feel like that's not super, I mean, like a couple of years ago with my grandmother, mm. we sat her down and with a video camera and had her tell us some stories and things mm. like that, tried to you know, get a few memories out of her, of what it was like growing up uh, around here, what the, you know, being, um, you know, having lived through so much, being born in 1928, living uh-huh. through uh, a, a town that was like unusually integrated uh, compared uh-huh. to other places at that time point and things like that and get just her perspective on the world and some memories to look back on. And there are these parts of it that are like you get very much my grandma's like sense of humor and mm. things like that there's a point in it that's one of my favorite things where she just like claps back at my uncle for being a, a little rude you know <laughs> <laughs> she's trying to talk about how she doesn't like she doesn't like eggs or chicken or something like that uh, and he chimes in and he's like yeah but it's you know it's in your head or whatever and she like turns to him and is like oh are you a psychiatrist can I see your PhD? It's <laughs> like, nice. you know, it's just these little like moments like that, that <laughs> capture not only her story, but like who she actually was as a person. Uh-huh. Um, and so I think there is something very appealing about the idea that, you know, you could kind of call up mm. 
those interactions. And yeah, I don't know that, I don't know, I don't know that a chat would appeal to me more than just kind of watching her. I feel like, I feel like it might add to my melancholy. Like I'm thinking about like if Sydney. I had a chat thing with my dad, I would love to have those memories. I wish that I had recordings of his stories and things like that and the way he would tell jokes and everything but i feel like for me it would be kind of painful Mm -hmm. to talk to him without it being him of course you know yeah i mean to use this example again hereafter you aren't just limited to kind of discussing you know to, to communing with this ai via text message it's also searchable via a smart speaker you can ask the smart speaker stuff and it will respond Mm -hmm. by playing one of the stories that your loved one will have recorded you know Mm -hmm. um it's multi-format it isn't just in that kind of chat bubble kind of um format which i agree wouldn't wouldn't anywhere near give you the 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 flavor of somebody's lived experience Mm -hmm. but what i mean what is it at the end of the day if not just putting someone's photo on on the afraid but with extra steps that's what it is isn't it <laughs> maybe i guess i don't know it's a, it's an interesting thing for me as i'm thinking about it to think about the idea of the feeling of a two-way interaction you know and that obviously people who want to believe in like ghosts and things like that that's what they're they're aiming for is you know give me that two-way interaction yeah with someone and it's a dead person, you know, a ghost of the person, right? Um, and this is obviously different from that in that you are, like you said, it's the the memory of someone, it's who they were. But I just, yeah, to me, there's a part of it that's appealing. I like the idea of being able to call up something and being like, oh, if I could hear that voice, just tell me something. Yeah. But the interactive element of communication doesn't appeal to me, I don't think. Mm. Is it that you couldn't, is it that you would have trouble suspending disbelief enough to, to really kind of get anything out of it? You would always feel as though you were talking to, you know, just a branching conversation tree. Yeah, and, and I, I think maybe it's partly that and this sense that no matter what, even if it felt real, yes, knowing that they're not there, that they're yes. just, there's not on the other end and this is all I... Yeah, yeah, have yeah, you know? Yeah, I will yeah. still never be able to hug that person again. I will, you know. Yeah, yeah. I will never have their actual life as much as this might feel like them. I think I would be still so. It would make me sad that I am having the engagement without them. You uh-huh. know. Yeah. So I don't know. That one doesn't. It's really interesting. I don't know that it appeals to me. I can, I can, I don't think any two people would come at it from the same angle. For some, mm-hmm. I guarantee, you know, for some I'm certain it would be a great comfort because even, even if, even if you're able to engage with the fact that it's, you know, the format is, is, is quote unquote fake, the mm-hmm. words are still from that person. You're still right. hearing somebody's words that they would have spoken and written when they were alive. It's fake, but it's not, you know, it's a fake way of accessing. I guess it's, is it the, is it the role play element that is uncomfortable? Is it the fact that you're talking, that you're addressing? No, it's the absence. It's fully the absence for me. Maybe I'm not sort of communicating what I mean here, right? But it is the fact 
of having an interaction but having the absence of that real human i think it would always remind me mm. that i can't of what i lack the tangible element yeah, of this yeah, where i yeah, have yeah, yeah, yeah. their stories i have their voice i have i can have this kind of exchange but at the end of the day i think it would continue to be a reminder to me of what i've lost mm. as opposed to a oh good i still get to keep this and i don't have that sense like when i i mean to a certain extent i do when i watch a video or something it makes me a little sad that i'm like oh i wish they were still here mm. you know um but i think trying to emulate the interactions with someone would only serve to remind me that i can't have them anymore yeah i get that but it's interesting nonetheless, you know? It is. I get it. I get mm. the appeal. Uh, but th those those are the kinds of avenues that I... F maybe not necessarily the bot, maybe not necessarily the AI, but some kind of memorial that I could use to accurately reflect what that person was like in life as opposed to what they were like in death. That, yeah. I think, would be of major help. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I get it. Mm. I know. <laughs> it's a good talk, Mark. Uh, yes, thank you. No, um, good to get all that stuff out. Good to talk that through. Yeah, always. Mm. There will be more. As much as you say you don't like talking about yourself, you know, you have interesting insights, good sir. Thank you. And it's lovely so... to have somebody to share them with. Uh, and Definitely. to you, good listener, thank you very much indeed for coming with us on that. What are your thoughts? Uh, mm. How would you like to be remembered? In what format would you like to be remembered? I mean, there are other... I mean, there there, there are some fucking, you know, crackpots who we didn't go into. I mean, there is a company called the Terrasem Movement Foundation, right? Okay. Um, who openly state on their website that their long-term goal is to be able to uh capture a snapshot of somebody's personality and put it into a droid you know um <laughs> that you can then converse with in you know in in to take uh you know the idea of the chatbot to fucking ridiculous sci-fi kind of zones um this company uh they they call them beam recordings b-e-m-e -E, uh using available technology to capture somebody's beam a small unit of a person's consciousness and then put it into a, a, a host, you know, a cyborg, hmm. uh, ridiculous shit, which is never going to happen, of course. But, you know, again, it's, God. A, it's... Mark, please, will you please watch Upload for me? Just for the love of God. <laughs> okay. Please watch Upload. <laughs> I need you to watch it. I will watch it. Right. I will absolutely, God damn it, watch it this week. Right. Nudge me a little bit on Wednesday will, or Thursday yeah. and I will watch Upload this week. I'll be, uh, I will legitimately zoom with you to watch it just okay. to make you watch this <laughs> okay uh any other ones that you wanted to throw out there before oh, we go, they, no i mean they they just get progressively more absurd um <laughs> hey but look you know absurd is only absurd if you know if 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 you don't think it can be done i mean stuff that we do now would have been considered absurd a generation or two ago so you know it's true. who knows somebody's got to try it exactly someone has to go that far so dear friends let us know let us know your thoughts on how you would like to be memorialized or 
how you would like to memorialize others, things like that. Love to hear your thoughts on this whole process. Uh, a happy Dia de los Muertos to you post-Halloween. Hope you're all doing well. And for the love of God, remember, friends, stay spooky. <laughs>